This is Timestamp, the podcast dedicated to capturing this moment in time. I'm Amy Breslow. Today's episode, Mom on the Front Line. My guest today is Monica, who identifies as a happily married, 60-something, newly retired caregiver. There is a big issue that's been on my mind a lot lately, and that's systemic racism. And I live in Louisville, Kentucky, which is really experiencing a lot of tension right now with the Breonna Taylor killing this spring, I'm realizing, I'm kind of shocked, really, that our country has learned so little, you know, since Martin Luther King and even since the beginning of our country. I mean, I'm just, I'm just really kind of shocked about racial tensions. Um, so I'm looking at my whole life, you know, to kind of see where I fit in and how white people have kind of taken advantage of people of color for a very long time. And of course, I'm reading this absolutely fantastic book on white fragility, and it's probably giving me more to say than, <laughs> than I'm able to put into words, but I'm realizing that racism in our society is so embedded that there's really no way that we can get away from it or avoid facing it. This spring, I just, I was talking to my daughter and she's 25 years old and very wise for her years. So I was talking to her one day about this and, and I said, you know, I just really want to get out there. I want to be one of those moms who stands between the police and the protesters that says, you know, that protects these protesters for their right to protest. And Elizabeth said, well, mom, there's a march tonight. Let's go. And we did. And it was a really, it was really an empowering moment. I'm 64. My daughter's 25. We took our Black Lives Matter signs and headed down to downtown Louisville and participated in a protest march. It was really, really moving. I was a little worried because I'm out of shape and have arthritis pain in my legs. And I was worried that I wouldn't make it. So we did kind of, after a couple hours, we headed home. But the moment in that march that just really felt great to me was being in the middle of a major intersection with all these people shouting chants and cars all around us stopped because of all the people. I mean, it was so empowering to be standing there speaking my voice. That was really a, a moment for me, and I, I hope to do it again. And my, my sister, she and I attended the Women's March on the 17th of October, the same feeling, being among all these people, celebrating the life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and you know, the search for women's equality and all these hot button issues that people are concerned about today. 
that was really a, a wonderful experience for me. I was born and raised in a big Catholic farm family. One thing when we moved to Louisville, my husband and I, having been educated in public schools, but both having been raised in the Catholic Church, we came to Louisville, which has a very strong system of parochial schools. But when we moved here, both having this deep-seated belief in the in society's responsibility to educate their children. We always chose public schools. So we moved here and we're we were raising our kids Catholic at the time. So we moved here near good public schools and put our enrolled our kids in the in the in a good public school system and we've never regretted that. Um, they got a great education here. But over the years I've come to see how very, very different the cultures are between public schools and parochial schools in this community. And of course, with everything that's going on in our government right now, I'm very alarmed at the theocracy that's slipping into our government. I mean, I, I think at my core, I believe in the separation of church and state more than anything. They don't go together, just like they won't, they don't blend like oil and water. You know, you just, you have to keep them separate. And I'm, I'm really kind of appalled at the kind of Christian, and maybe other faiths do this as well, but the kind of Christian who believes the only way, that they're the only ones who have ethics and morals and that everyone else, you know, is bad. I mean, I just, I can't stand that idea. This idea of systemic racism in this community, the Catholic Church has to own part of this because years ago when uh, Brown v. Uh, Board of Education decided that schools needed to be integrated, the Catholic Church in this community made a decision. They made a decision that they were going to build these schools and move out to the white communities and keep their kids separate from the integrated schools. And I was really heartened to read a very, very good editorial in the, in the paper in town about this very thing. And it, it, I realized that, that I already felt that this had happened, but I was so um, energized to hear that, that it was actually a real thing. <laughs> it wasn't me just imagining this. But I believe the Catholic Church has to own up to the fact, especially here in Louisville, what they've done in 50 years, building all of these parochial schools and taking all of these white Christian kids out of the public schools because they wanted to control who was in the classroom. Ironically, a few years ago, one of the all-male high schools won the tournament, basketball tournament one year, and and every boy on the starting team was a, was a black athlete in an all-white school. I believe what I witnessed here is the Catholic schools recruiting athletes um, to their school because having a great athletic program is one way to attract kids to their school um, because that's, that's one way that they were tolerable. 
it was tolerable to have blacks in your school if they could, you know, have some use. I do think in this community, uh, the archdiocese, for instance, here in Louisville, is really reaching out to try to mend, to work with this idea of racism. So I see see it as a a good sign. I was thinking about how polarized we are in our country. And in the last, well, not just the last four years, but really going back to, well, maybe 20 years ago, I sensed the tension and between the right and the left, conservative, liberal, rural, city, woman, man, minorities, majorities, in, in every aspect of our society, and this has been especially crucial lately, is this polarization and how people, people cannot talk to each other. They can't be civil. Even in my own family, I'm one of nine, there's few people in my family who could sit down and have an intelligent discussion about our society and, and where we're going because we we get too hot under the collar or blow up or I really hate this about my family because I would like to be able to feel that as a family we're always loving and can remember that about each other but honestly I have some family members that I cannot talk to who just blow up with any suggestion of politics or how I might be feeling about anything. Those sorts of things really weigh on me, that we have reached a point in our society where we're really broken. And my hope is that in coming months with a new administration, I believe in America's ability to do the right thing. What happened four years ago was a, was a disaster for our country, but the silver lining is that I believe people realize that we're in big trouble and we have to, to change direction. So I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, we've reached a real critical time in our, in our polarization. It's killing us right now as a country. And only our citizens can make the decision to, to turn it around and, and make us, make us, I hate to say the word great, but you know, we, we can be a, a nation that the world can look up to and regard as, I like the idea that a lot of people look to the United States as this young beacon of hope in the world. And I, I like having that kind of role. And, there's, and, and I'd like every other continent to have the same sort of feeling that we're all contributing to a great earth. The Breonna Taylor incident, that has torn our community apart, but people are protesting and protesting, I mean, every day. And when I was still working, I had to drive through an affluent community coming home, going to work and coming home. And every night coming home for months, I would see uh, people 
out there with their Black Lives Matter signs and no justice, no peace. And and I every day I went by and I put up my hand sign for Black Lives Matter and how proud I was that there were people in that particular community who were willing to stand up against the systemic racism in our community and in the police. And I and I have to say there's a lot of good police out there, but I've personally personally experienced the 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 anger and the bullying and the the nastiness of some of our police. I mean, I don't want to make a big story about that, but on the way home from work one day, a couple, two, three, four, maybe five years ago, I got stopped by a policeman in my neighborhood for speeding. And I was really confused because a car just exited a driveway after me and then the lights went on. So I stopped and I got out of my car to say, you know, I was pointing to myself. I said, did you mean me? You know, I couldn't believe that I was getting picked up a block from my house and that this car had come out of somebody's driveway. So I, I didn't quite, I was confused, but, and the guy started yelling at me. I mean, if I had taken another step, he would have pulled a gun on me. I was so distraught. I got back into my car and I'm shaking and I'm humiliated because I'm right there with my neighbors, you know, anybody out there seeing me. But I had the good sense to get my phone out and record when he came to my window. And so I recorded the conversation. And he continued to be very, very aggressive, very mean. And and I recorded the whole thing, told him I was recording it because I was going to report him. At the end, he asked me, did I have any questions? And I said, how, how fast was I going? And rather than tell me, he threw the paper at me, turned around and went back to his, his car. You know, and with his back to me, of course, I'm shaking with rage and humiliation. I stuck my hand out of the window and I flipped him the bird (laughs) that felt so good at the time, but I'm embarrassed to say it now. And I turned on my car and I went down to the corner, turned right and, you know, was at my house. But that was a, that was a really, really hard experience for me because of the way I was treated by that cop. And when I got home, I told my husband and my brother who was visiting, and I could tell they didn't believe me. They were kind of blaming it on me. You know, my response was my fault versus how I was treated. Well, interestingly enough, two days later, I got a call from the chief of police in my neighborhood, and I was scared to death to take the call because I thought they're going to throw another ticket at me because I flipped the bird at this guy. Well, he was calling to apologize on behalf of the department because of the way I was treated. The policeman was wearing a body cam, and the chief of police was able to watch the whole incident and was embarrassed by the way I was treated, and he was calling to apologize. That tells me that there's a lot of really good people out there. And it also gave me validation because I was upset for a reason, because I was mistreated. Now, I'm a white person, and he didn't pull a gun on me. What what do these policemen do with black people? It just, it breaks my heart. And so in Louisville right now, I see people are not sitting back anymore. Even in my own little white suburban, upper middle class neighborhood, there are Black Lives Matter signs out there and there's lots of hope in Amy McGrath signs. Even in a deeply red state, 
I see hope in that a lot more people are realizing that the systemic racism is here and we have to do something about it. I see it. I see it in those moms that join hands. I want to be one of those moms, you know, who stands there linked in arms, protecting the protesters from the police and the hate groups. I just feel like it's time for all of us. And in Louisville recently, they had a march, a protest that was almost all white people. So there are people in this community who are standing up next to their, their friends and neighbors, people of color, and doing something about it. So we're taking a little step toward progress. I think Kentucky is guilty of not doing a whole lot toward integration since Martin Luther King's day and Brown v. School Board of Education. I, I think we have to realize that, that we've sat on the sidelines and allowed our private and public schools to, to duke it out for the best kids. And I'm just hopeful that you know, we can get to a point where, where we're more enlightened really as a people. Well, I've already voted, as have my family members, and want everyone to please vote. This is a pivotal election. I believe in our that this is the time when the most people have reached the conclusion that their vote really, really matters. So just everybody out there, you matter. Get to the polls. That's it. I'm And I'm doing my part by, I'm assigned to a kind of rough area of Louisville where I'll be working the polls and I'm really excited about it. I'll wear my mask and keep a social distance, um, but I, I feel like that's my part to get everybody to the polls. Thanks for listening. Timestamp is produced by me, Amy Breslow, with IT support from Alex Moreno and original music by Maddie Schuler. You can find us at timestamppodcast.com and can subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be back in one or two weeks with the next episode. Until then, take care and be well.